0: You're listening to The Art of Motivation with Don Sagarez. The best thing for being sad, replied Merlin, beginning to puff and blow, is to learn something. That's the only thing that never fails. You may grow old and trembling in your anatomies. You may lie awake at night listening to the disorder of your veins. You may miss your only love. You may see the world about you devastated by evil lunatics or know your honor trampled in the sewers of baser minds. There is only one thing for it, then, to learn. Learn why the world wags and what wags it. That is the only thing which the mind can never exhaust, never alienate, never be tortured by, never fear or distrust, and never dream of regretting. Learning is the only thing for you. Look what a lot of things there are to learn. T.H. White, the once and future king. One of the first things I tell my students on the first day of class is simply this. The single most detrimental thing to happen to the field of hospitality and tourism is the food network. You see, the food network, entertaining as it may be for foodies, which incidentally is another term I hate, has clouded the vision and perceived reality of young students everywhere. Each and everyone believes, whether they admit it or not, that they will become famous in the field. Whether they study or not, they think that they, if the stars align, and if they create the right image or the right recipe, will become the next Food Network God. I suppose that this is as probable as any other scenario. Luck and timing have led people to many unique and exciting situations in life. But my role as their professor, their teacher, their instructor, is to deal in realities, to bestow upon them the knowledge I have using the tools of the trade and the life experiences of those who have succeeded in our field and who have been published in the multitude of media that exists. My role, and according to the definition of teacher, is a person who provides education for students. That's it. I was honestly expecting more. But I realized finally, and in the words of Albert Einstein, I can never teach my pupils, I only attempt to provide them the conditions in which they can learn. I should preclude any of the forthcoming dialogue by stating that I am not a formally trained teacher, that I never felt it to be a life calling. I am most certainly an educated man with degrees from multiple post-secondary institutions. I also possess what is perhaps the most important degree of all, the one I received from the School of Hard Knocks. This, ironically, is the degree that my now current employer was most interested in upon meeting me. I do understand now why this is. I could not in good faith discount in any way, shape, or form the value of Teachers College. I have many associates who have worked long, hard, and diligently to obtain their degrees and to earn the right and privilege to teach and train today's youth who will become tomorrow's working professionals. Their success lies in the quality and expertise of the teachers in our society, and in our various systems. This begs, of course, the question, what makes a good teacher and what motivates one to want to become a teacher in some capacity? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the Art of Motivation. We record here at peachgallery.com in the dynamic and beautiful Peach Gallery nestled in the heart of Toronto's Little Italy. Special thanks to our creative designer, and director Gregory McKenzie, and audio engineer Adam Zizzo for their motivation towards making this show a reality. I'm your host, Don Sagares, and I'm grateful and delighted to be here. This is The Art of Motivation, and in today's episode entitled, Why Teach? We look at teaching, what motivates us to teach, and why passion and personality appear to be the two most important characteristics in a teacher. In the words of Jim Henson, kids don't remember what you try to teach them They remember what you are. Thank you for listening. Back in a moment. You're listening to Peach Radio, streaming from the Peach Gallery in Toronto. A recent article I came across online written by Barnaby Lennon, former headmaster, hero and chairman of the Independent Schools Council, tells us, there is more to being a good teacher than classroom skills. And I agree. He goes on to tell us that in addition to some degree of formal education and training, that teachers have four main characteristics. First, they love their subject and have excellent subject knowledge. This has been proven to be at the top of the list in numerous research studies. This is the reason that some schools are happy to appoint an excellent candidate in a subject like physics, or in my case, hospitality and tourism, even if they, or rather we, don't have a teaching qualification. We are classified as unqualified, even though we possess the most important qualities of all, passion and enthusiasm. Good subject knowledge matters not only because at the top of your range you need to be able to evoke intelligent and emotional responses from students, but also because teachers with knowledge and passion and enthusiasm tend to make lessons for students more interesting. Secondly, Barnaby tells us that we need to have the right personality. Teaching is partly acting, and acting ability helps greatly. Above all, you need to be able to control a class, and without discipline, nothing worthwhile can be achieved. So that means that good teachers are those whom students will respect and slightly fear if necessary. Students know the teacher will notice if they are misbehaving or if their work is incomplete or copied from another child, and will take action. But the best teachers are not disciplinarians. They are, as it is said, a velvet hand in an iron glove. Students come to know over time that they are warm and generous, but they are not to be trifled with. There are other personality traits that matter too. Good teachers are very hardworking, putting a huge effort into preparing lessons, marking work, and giving extra time to students who need it. They are able to manage stress, they are passionate about their school and pupils, and keen for all to do well. Thirdly, teachers need to have certain classroom skills. This is why all unqualified teachers need some training, both before they start and throughout their first years. They need to be shown how to deliver a lesson with pace and interest, how to use digital resources effectively, how to mark work and record those marks, how to write reports, how to best teach tricky concepts, how to ask questions in the most effective way. Finally, Teachers need to have high expectations of their students. This is a characteristic of all the best teachers. They are determined that every student will master their subject. This attitude sets the scene for everything which follows. Students who produce unsatisfactory work must be made to redo it until they achieve a good level. Excellent teachers believe that it is student effort and teaching quality which determine how well a child does, not solely the ability of the child the less able students will get there in the end. So these are characteristics of the best teachers. In terms of weighting, Barnaby tells us that perhaps 30% is subject knowledge, 30% is personality, 30% is level of expectations, and 10% is classroom skills. Of these, only the last need be the subject of teacher training. I'll leave you for a moment with the famous words of William Arthur Ward, the mediocre teacher tells, the good teacher explains, the superior teacher demonstrates, the great teacher inspires. And here we will require a bit of inspiration from our sponsors. Back in a minute with more from The Art of Motivation, here on PeachRadio.com, and how teaching plays a key role in building and motivating students, and for that matter, customers, clients, and employees. I'm Don Sagares. Thanks for listening. I'm glad you're here. You're listening to Peach Radio, streaming from the Peach Gallery in Toronto. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Art of Motivation here at PeachRadio.com, nestled in the dynamic and beautiful Peach Gallery in Toronto's historic Little Italy. Today we are talking about teaching and why teach. I'm Don Sagares, and I'm glad you're here. We have been discussing teaching and the motivation for teaching others. But let's discuss expectations for a minute. My expectations are, admittedly, very high. Too high, I'm told. I have seen young students crumble, literally, when I pull my red pen from my breastcoat pocket to mark their papers. They shudder with the idea of me sitting in front of them and their teams, ready to scour the pages of their assignments, looking for even the slightest error. I do look for perfection. This is not because I have some unrealistic set of expectations. It is because my expectations grow as I lead them from day one and alter the total environment, which begins with a ragtag group of relatively mismatched students and ends with the creation of a series of tight-knit groups, each focused on their topic area and each focused on each other. I don't want perfection. I am striving for a safe, intelligent working environment in which to teach and learn. For better or worse, and many of them will tell you worse, one of my key goals in my classroom environments is to ensure they create teams based on the groups they arrive in. These teams are inevitably to show them firsthand a sample of what it will be to work in a department at the corporations they will inevitably end up working at. I teach them at the outset that there is a difference between a group and a team, and that I am charged ultimately with being the team leader. I tell them, therefore, that they are accountable not only for themselves, but for each other, all others, including those not in their core group. While a group is defined as having individual accountability, performance goals set by others, work within achieved boundaries, individual work products, and independent administration, a team is defined as having shared leadership roles, mutual and individual accountability a team vision, performance goals set and shared by the team, and an environment where there is mutual feedback and active problem solving. This is all well and good, but as we know, teams are often difficult to form. It takes time for members to learn how to work together, time that a typical college semester does not even afford. But it is my responsibility, in whatever time I have as a teacher, to make them understand that teams win or lose together. It is my role, therefore, to be a good teacher-leader. It is my job to create an ambitious vision of success for students. I found by accident recently an article by Dennis Sparks. In this new paradigm, teachers see themselves as leaders of cooperative student teams rather than as instructors of individual students who will compete with one another for grades and their teacher's attention. In such classrooms, all students and their families feel responsible for the success of every student and do everything to ensure it. To do this effectively, he continues, we must, as teachers, adopt a conceptual frame in which we view ourselves as leaders of teams of students and develop the knowledge and skills required to be successful team leaders. Here, ladies and gentlemen, we require a bit of leadership from our sponsors. Back in a minute with more from The Art of Motivation here on PeachRadio.com, and thoughts on what teacher leaders do, how they do it, and why. I'm Don Sagarays. Thanks for listening. I'm glad you're here. This is Peach Radio. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to The Art of Motivation, here at PeachRadio.com. So, what do teachers and teacher leaders do? In one of the most extensive studies on the work of teacher leaders, Lieberman, Saxel, and Miles focused on what teachers actually did when they assumed leadership positions. Those skills included, and I'm quoting directly, building trust and developing rapport, diagnosing organizational conditions, dealing with processes, managing the work, building skills and confidence in others. I support that these skills have been deemed to be exclusive to teacher leaders, and are largely discussed as what transpires outside the classroom. But these are easily and logically transferable into the classroom. I am a strong proponent that teaching, like parenting, requires that we teach the students the skills we admire, and more importantly, teach them to use these skills and tools in real time and in an environment where they can actually see the concepts at work. Nancy Atwell, voted last year as America's best teacher, which comes with a $1 million grant, which she incidentally donated. Teachers are being essentially asked to be technicians, to read a script, and the script is not valid. Test scores, she says, are all that seem to count right now. It's all data analysis, metrics, and accountability. It's a business model that has no business being applied to the craft of teaching or the science of learning. Atwell disagrees with the politically contentious Common Core Educational Standards, which she believes focuses too much on test scores rather than lessons learned, books read. Students all learn at different paces and levels, and the Common Core Standards steamrolls individuality and forces everyone to quite literally be on the same page. And I think she's right. I think academics, like in life, find it is more about the learning journey and not the grade point average destination. And I give the students every opportunity to improve. This can only be done by giving them more information, therefore power, and therefore autonomy. But what do I give them ultimately? How do I lead them? According to Galileo, you cannot teach a man anything. You can only help him find it within himself. According to Cindy Harrison, and Yolan Killian, in an article from September of 2007, called 10 Roles for Teacher Leaders, the ways teachers can lead are as varied as teachers themselves. Teacher leaders assume a wide range of roles to support school and student success. Whether these roles are assigned formally or shared informally, they build on the school's capacity to improve. So what are some of the leadership options available to teachers? The following 10 roles, again from this article, are a sampling. A teacher must be 1. A resource provider. 2. An instructional specialist. 3. A curriculum specialist. 4. A classroom supporter. A teacher must also be a learning facilitator. A teacher must be a mentor. A teacher must be a school leader. A teacher must be a data coach and a catalyst for change. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, a teacher must be a good learner. Amongst the most important roles teacher leaders assume is that of a learner. The learner model requires continuous improvement and a demonstration of lifelong learning. And I do believe this, ladies and gentlemen, because I believe that the minute we think we know everything is the moment. We know nothing at all. And here we will require a little learning from our sponsors. Back in a minute with more from The Art of Motivation on PeachRadio.com and more on what motivates us to teach. I'm Don Sagares. Thanks for listening. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for listening to Peach Radio, streaming from the Peach Gallery in Toronto. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Art of Motivation, here at PeachRadio.com, nestled in the dynamic and beautiful Peach Gallery in Toronto's historic Little Italy. Today we are talking about teaching and why teach. I'm Don Sagarays, and I'm glad you're here. What motivates us to teach? Why teach? It's a simple question, really, but with hundreds or even thousands of answers. There are social reasons to teach, philanthropic reasons to teach, economic and even diplomatic reasons to teach. Every child who would be better off with the guidance and care of a great teacher is another reason to become a teacher. Despite all these reasons, the most complete answer to the question, why should I teach, is simple and concise. I teach to make a difference. How, where, and to whom is really up to you. What I have found from my experience, however, is that ultimately I am motivated to teach so that I may lead and instantly impact students by helping them develop skills they need to compete in a challenging global market. Parents and colleagues will appreciate my work as they see students using these skills in their classrooms and in daily life. I teach so that I may inspire and go way beyond teaching facts and rather sharing knowledge with a captivated audience. I will use my imagination and my ingenuity to bring my subject to life in ways that I hope students will always remember. I teach so that I may innovate and instantly impact students by helping them develop skills they need to compete in a challenging and ever-growing global marketplace. But still, why consider becoming a teacher? What really motivates me? Teaching is a challenging job with many unique frustrations but the rewards of teaching are numerable. Some of the many benefits, which, while all true, were found on a University of North Carolina website and include the following. We teach to enjoy the experience and joy of making a difference. Teachers get incredible joy in seeing the difference they make as students gain new insights, as they become more interested in a subject and learn about themselves. To teach means you have a vocation and not a job. For many people, their work is a means to an end. They work for a paycheck in order to live their lives, of course. But those called on to teach have a true vocation. We teach because we enjoy interpersonal interaction. Teaching even in science or math, for example, provides people who want to work in science and math the ability to do so while enjoying a high level of interpersonal interaction. We benefit as teachers from variety. It is not a job that involves repetition or specific tasks over and over. I teach to be a lifelong learner. You will never learn a topic better than when you start to teach it. Students always ask the most interesting questions that prompt you to dig deeper and learn more about every aspect that you are teaching. We teach so that we may laugh every day. We teach to have a high level of autonomy. While required classes have mandated curriculum that teachers are expected to follow, it is ultimately the teacher who lives autonomously and decides what will happen in the classroom each day. I teach to spend more time with my family. I teach, as people often jest, to enjoy lots of vacation. While some schools have moved to a year-round schedule where teachers have vacations divided through the year, Most teaching jobs allow you to have several concrete, defined times, especially in summer, where you can enjoy vacation, enjoy and strike a work-life balance, where you can enjoy a break. And speaking of breaks, you guessed it, here we will require a break from me, back in a minute with more from The Art of Motivation, here on PeachRadio.com, and more on what motivates us to teach I'm Don Sagares. Thanks for listening. I'm glad you're here. This is Peach Radio, streaming from the Peach Gallery in Toronto, Canada. Check us out on Twitter, at the Peach Gallery. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Art of Motivation. Here at PeachRadio.com, nestled in the dynamic and beautiful Peach Gallery in Toronto's historic Little Italy. Just before the break, we had shifted discussion to the specific reasons that motivate teachers to become teachers. They were seemingly self-serving. And while we are all tempted at times to criticize teachers for having it too easy, we must remember that teachers are great leaders and do require our support because they are leading what we must deem to be our most important commodities, our children. In a recent article from Deborah Chang in the Huffington Post, she reminds us that, In many companies, people are promoted into leadership positions because they were top-notch performers in their previous role. Being an individual performer, however, is very different from being a leader and requires a different skill set that all too often has not been deliberately cultivated. Similarly, in the startup world, many people become founders because they want to solve a problem and because they love creating products. Teachers, though, are unique. The demands and experience of teaching, and the skills and knowledge necessary to become a great teacher, make great teachers, particularly great leaders. She goes on to tell us why. Great teachers know how to create a strong company culture. Great teachers bring the ability to create a strong culture to any organization, We build systems, structures, and norms necessary to motivate colleagues, attract talent, build community, and drive that community towards a collective mission. Great teachers know how to set high expectations. Great teachers prioritize what really matters. Teaching is ultimately about the long-term well-being of children 5, 10, 15, 30 years down the line. Great teachers can sift through the thousands of things they could be doing and decide on a handful of things that will make a difference. Great teachers plan purposefully. Great teachers execute and deliver every day. They meet deadlines every day. They also look at data to reflect on the strength of their execution and are unafraid to change whatever they need in order to improve. Great teachers know how to learn constantly through a process of continued development. If you talk to a great teacher, you will find that he or she is always in the middle of revamping something. Great teachers persevere. Great teachers are resourceful. Teachers often work in very difficult environments, but great teachers never let that stop them from helping their students reach their goals. Great teachers empathize and understand the socio-economical or socio-emotional needs of their students and the students' family members. They know that people need to feel safe and loved and calm in order to learn and grow. A trick, according to Stephen King of all people, and his thoughts on teaching, is simple. We never know which lives we influence, or when, or why. You can know a great leader by the people they impact, just like you know a great teacher by the lives of students they've taught. So what is good teaching? All students have had hundreds of teachers in their lifetimes. Very few of these teachers they remember as being exceptionally or particularly good. What are the qualities that combine to create an excellent, memorable teacher? Why do some teachers inspire students to work three, four, five times harder than they normally would, while others inspire, or motivate students to skip class? Why do students learn more from some teachers than others? If you are trying to become a better teacher, these are all very important questions. As a York University alumni, I thought I would pay homage to the institution that taught me much about learning, and inevitably teaching, by reading to you from an article written by Richard LeBlanc, PhD, York University where he was awarded the Seamus Schulich Award for teaching excellence. His top 10 requirements for good teaching was originally published in 1998 and includes his top 10 requirements for good teaching. Good teaching is as much about passion as it is about reason. It's about not only motivating students to learn but teaching them how to learn and in doing so in a manner that is relevant, meaningful and memorable. Good teaching is about substance and training students as consumers of knowledge. It's about doing your best to keep on top of your field, reading sources, and being at the leading edge as often as possible. Good teaching is about listening, questioning, being responsive, and remembering that each student and each class is different. It's about pushing students to excel, and at the same time, it's about being human, respecting others, and being professional at all times. Good teaching is about not always having a fixed agenda and being rigid, but being flexible, fluid, experimenting, and having the confidence to react and adjust to changing circumstances. Good teaching is about style. Should good teaching be entertaining? Absolutely. Does this mean that it will lack substance? Absolutely not. Effective teaching is not about being locked with both hands glued to a podium or having your eyes fixated on the projection screen. Good teaching and good teachers involves working the room and every student in it. Good teaching is about humor. This is very important. It's about being self deprecating and not taking yourself too seriously, making innocuous jokes, mostly at your own expense, so that the ice breaks and that students will learn that you are human. Good teaching is about caring, nurturing, and developing minds and talents. It's about devoting time, often invisibly, to every student. Good teaching is supported by strong and visionary leadership and very tangible instructional support resources, personnel, and funds. Good teaching is about mentoring between senior and junior faculty, teamwork, and being recognized and promoted by one's peers. Effective teaching should also be rewarded. And more importantly, poor teaching needs to be remediated through training and development programs. At the end of the day, good teaching is about having fun, experiencing pleasure and intrinsic rewards in the classroom. Watching thoughts being formed, watching students become better, watching students become happier. It's about the former student who says your course changed her life. It's about another telling you that your course was the best one he's ever taken. Good teachers practice their craft not for the money or because they have to, but because they truly enjoy it and because they want to. Good teachers couldn't imagine doing anything else. And I, ladies and gentlemen, could not imagine doing anything else in life or here today than teach and talk to you. As always, it has been a pleasure delivering this podcast, and I thank you for your time. I'd also like to take this opportunity once again to thank Greg McKenzie and Adam Zizzo and the rest of the team here at peachradio.com. Today, we presented a program that I hope you found relevant, enjoyable, and quite frankly, more brief than others. I certainly hope that it motivated you to understand why we teach, and in doing so, to becoming healthier, more attractive, more engaged and loyal teachers in every aspect of our personal and professional lives. I'll leave you today with a simple quote from an amazing singer-songwriter and drummer, Mr. Phil Collins, who said, In learning, you will teach. And in teaching, you will learn. Round and round we go. Until next time, I'm Don Sagarays, and you've been listening to The Art of Motivation here at PeachRadio.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'm glad you were here.